So why was Santa upset he got a sweater for Christmas? Why? Oh, he wanted a screamer or maybe a moaner. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm Shock, and you're doing it. You go for it. <laughs> I'm going to go for it. It's a, I'm feeling really Christmassy this year. <laughs> if you can do that, seriously, this will be, with the exception of self-indulgent theater, if you can hold that cadence throughout, that will be the greatest hour of my life. Let's the last half hour will be awful. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Hey, welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. I thought I introduced the show, but I'm Joe. You you did introduce you, but yeah. I don't think you said, you know, because no one no one knows what they're listening to unless we say the name. I did say Carnival Personnel. You did. Let's go back to the tape. <laughs> well, you're the smart one and the good looking one. Uh, I'm just the one with the awful opening joke. Do you need me to explain to you what a podcast is? Could you play? Actually, you might have to. Uh, so, uh, as we record this last night, a... Uh, a really, really, really big show over at Uncharted and Lowell. We've talked about it a great deal. Uh, our friends uh, from Gold Star Boulevard, uh, Alex was on the show a few weeks ago, played a set with Dan Cray and Beyond Id. And our friend Nico with a K was there with his band Castling, which I couldn't remember. I knew. I was trying, like, what the hell does that mean? Is what is it from? Is it from a? It's from a game, and it was from a game, but not like your games. It's the game of chess. Could you do you know the move? Yes, it's. I believe it's when the rook, and then oh, god, is it the, when the rook and the knight switch places? Or no, or, no, like the king. That's right, and they have to be on the same line, like the back row, and it's yes. I don't it, think you can. Do it if you've moved either piece. Like it's not like you can move it right. and then move it back. It they has have to be to in the original position. Correct. Right. I'm. I'm so far so good with this. I'm voice, loving I it. Uh, so it was fun. But Joe, who <laughs> who really stole the show last night? That would be your younger son. We could say his name, Tristan. Uh, Tr- Tristan Tiberius, or as Dan Cray referred to him, Ozzy. Phase one, Ozzy. Because, and I watched the video today. So Dan's looking straight down and sees nothing but hair and two hands holding a mic. <laughs> um, <laughs> he rocked. He really did. Two. It was two years ago this week, and I only know it was two years ago this week because it came up on management's Facebook page. Uh, I was at Dan's house jamming, and he came downstairs. So he's six at the time, and he goes, "I have a song," and he just. And I quickly took out the phone, put it down. He didn't see, and he started singing the song. And he had like this whole verse and chorus worked out. Zombies are attacking their world. Zombies are attacking world. There's nothing left for you to do, zombies. And he goes on, and it's great because he basically cues me when to start because Dan was waning with the guitar, a little guitar intro as Tristan first starts talking it, then starts singing it, points to me, and he goes and stop. And then he's. And then instantly he goes into, and maybe if I, I can, management hasn't figured out how to pull it off her iPhone and we could post it, the original thing, because it's only less than a minute. And instantly he launches into, we, we got to go get an audience, you know? And Dan's like, maybe we should work out the first song first. And then it's just like wanting to go upstairs and get his brother and Dan's daughter. And I think she had a friend over, you know, come down and watch. And Dan's like, oh my God, you're your father's son. 
All of a sudden, the mailman's sitting on. <laughs> you don't have one song worked out and already focused on getting gigs, and then and then he realizes you recorded it, and so um, last night and one it was one of the one of the upsides for it is um, is, is the fact that the boys were able the first time the boys got us to see me play with Dan to see her at a real club. Uh, see the hard work that goes into it and see a lot of people there and have fun with it. And he really wanted to go up, but he was, you know, he had the stage right thing, but he did. He he went up and we opened with Zombies Are Attacking the World. Uh, that will be posted on management's Facebook page today. And I'll have her like share it with the carnival page. Is that how the book face works? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how anything works. I don't know how this microphone works. Uh, what I do know works is... That awful light up um, reindeer sweater that you wore to not only the gig last night but also the Christmas party the previous week. But it's it's admirable that both you and your older son Grayson were wearing a ba- basically uh, two pressure luck boards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so for shirts, you know there there is times when Joe questions uh, his funny hood and questions whether. Truly, anybody outside this room thinks he's hysterical. I call those daytimes. <laughs> he only thinks he only has those downing, depressing thoughts on days and in and why. But he knows I think he's funny, but he really doesn't realize how funny he is. And so I put my shirt on. My oldest one gets there, and there's my sister, and who was very hesitant to come to the show because the last time she saw us play in like ninety two, ninety three. Oh, what happened? She walked into the club, and I was playing the drums completely naked, and she had a bunch of friends with her. She walked in, and she's like, nope. <laughs> just That was the last time she came to a show. Probably not a good idea to bring the church. Yeah, it might have been church friends. And so anyway, so my oldest comes over. Our shirts are lighting up. Joe's sitting next to my sister. And as my oldest one turns his shirt on, Joe instantly launches into... No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. <laughs> to which my sister, who you want to peg as a game show aficionado nerd, instantly gets the references, starts laughing uproariously, to which I look at her and say, and this is why I love him. I think anybody that was uh, alive during the 80s knows no whammies. <laughs> but, you know, how ill-prepared was she for a <laughs> pressure luck reference at Uncharted? Woefully. Let's just say woefully. So it was. It was a lot of fun. And like I said, you know, um, it, what was really fun is the band Castling, Nico with the K's band. He was excited. He loves one of our songs, Other Break, and he's covered it himself. He would want to see it. And when he realized, oh, we have a bass player, he didn't realize Sean was back in the band. And he doesn't know all the players. He just knows, wait, is that the one whose name is the professor? Because he's heard stories. And I'm like, yeah. So he got to meet Sean. It was it was fun. And like I said to Joe before we start recording, well, like, hey, let's talk about on air. I was a little hesitant. On one side of the spectrum, we have you know, our bass player, Sean, who hasn't been jamming with Dan and I in 20 years, telling us how excited he is. And this is great. And he's really happy about it. it, it you know, it's 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 given him something to really look forward to. And if it was up to him, we play a show every month. We would play 10 to 12 shows a year. If it was up to me, we play three, maybe 
four shows. If Jimmy Fallon would have you. If Jimmy Fallon would have it. But I don't know the deal. It's like, can we not go on Kimmel if we've been on Fallon? You know, you know the <laughs> politics. And I, I just don't want to. That showbiz. And Dan would like to do, it. what is what is less than zero? <laughs> it's a movie starring John Cusack. Thank you. He took the cheat. And so I, I'm, I'm literally in the middle. It's like, I, I get it. It's like, it's more fun to play and just jam and no pressure. But at the same time, you know, Castling had a great time. They want they want to get a Friday night, Saturday night show right now. Um, same with Gold Star. They wouldn't be able to play as many things. Uh, Tristan, but it's also, you know, we saw, I saw a guy, Rock, who was a really good friend of Dan and John's and Sean's in college, and I was friendly with him and friends with him. Uh, you know, he ran the radio station that, that we all worked at at college, and it was so, I haven't seen him forever. So those are the things that are nice, you know. I'm not going to get together and drive to a cookout or a picnic just to see somebody like him, and I should say somebody like him, but, you know, just a person I, I'm not that in contact you know, with. Vermin. But it is really nice to just have it there. Uh, it's also nice to, you know, kind of show off for the boys because, you know, see, they, they're upstairs doing their piano now, and it's nice for them to say, look, this is kind of the payoff. People come to see you. You know, this is a really fun thing. Everybody had fun. So it's a balancing act between Dan wanting to do zero shows, Sean wanting to do a lot of shows, and, and truly, I, I'm, you know, I'm caught between two loves there, there, Joe. It's tough. I mean, I I knew when um, when I was a lad how devastated I was when the, I learned that the Beatles were stopped touring and... Um, you know, I think that's where Dan is right now. He's in his uh, Sergeant Pepper phase. So I'm going to have to tell Dan, look, you have this amazing talent. And with great power comes great responsibility. Wow. Did you just make that I up? Just ma- I just made that up right here. You mean that wasn't Shakespeare mm-hmm. and then that was taken it's by Stan Lee? All, all, <laughs> no, that's all me. I'm misremembering 100%. something. Right, and, but it's true. It's, it's because, you know, we have... Some opportunities we can open the door for other people. It's fun to see people. It's fun to also, you know, jumping ahead maybe to a parenting tip of the week to kind of lead by example. Um, but plus, it is it, it's fun. The wife likes to get dressed up and go out. You know, it's an excuse for you know, and we don't agree on a lot of bands, but we agree on this one. So I noticed that no bands were playing "Hungry Like the Wolf," which was a problem. It was for some. It was well, no, you know, I think. Uh, that was made up for the fact that Goldstar Boulevard has a very pretty bass player. Uh, <laughs> and a pretty drummer. And a pretty drummer. They're all pretty. Let's yes. be honest. Like the 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 their their guitarist, the the what what's his what's the guitarist name, remember? Buttons. Buttons, that's right. And what's his real name? I don't know. And who fucking cares? His name is Buttons, baby. Six weeks later it was Wake Up Little Susie. <laughs> so so there we go. So that was fun. Uh, it was great to see Joe. Joe, not a highlight of the show for the rest of the people in the room, but it's one of my old stand-up bits that I got to do in front of the room. Oh, God. What was it? You remember? like So Dan breaks a string, and Sean's talking, and I come, and uh-huh. I get the crowd going, right. audience participation. Yep. You, you, you want to you wanna break it down for the people? Um, all right, people. Give me an S. S. Give me an H. H. Give me an E. E. Give me another E. E. Give me a P. P. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then I walk back to the drums, and then you hear, 
a, a smittering of laughter drowned out by an ocean of, oh. I think now that was the first time that I maybe experienced what the podcast listening audience <laughs> does at home. Do I get points for spelling it right? <laughs> No. Okay. What do you want a cookie? <laughs> I you take care of your kids. I happen to, <laughs> I happen to think that that is a great one. You know, nothing says like you know, you know, winning over a crowd by insulting them <laughs> and getting them to play along with the insult. One hundred episodes later. <laughs> so anyway, so that was great. A uh, little more music. We did a whole. Wait, more music. And Les Nesman. We did a whole Christmas song thing last Christmas. Mm. Might do another one next year. It will be the same thing, but I like talking Christmas stuff. But management posted on our Facebook the other day that I saw because she said, go to my Facebook and look at this. Was it Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? Please don't say it was Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. It was Santa. not. Okay. Um, I think I said last year that my favorite Christmas song is Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. The whole story behind that, how it came together, it was truly, truly, truly a magical moment in time. And she had posted Band-Aid doing Do They Know It's Christmas, you know, months later at Live Aid. And to have, and Live Aid, again, Woodstock was Woodstock, and again, time capsule, a pivotal point. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those like you know, you know. I don't know the right way to say it. I'm not articulate enough to say it, but it was a, a cornerstone in yeah. music history, a history, not music history, history. I mean, the Vietnam War, the protest, and all this. Uh, Live Aid was the same, and for me, I think it was more impressive because I think there was more generationally uh, defining bands. Uh, I think everybody who was anybody, especially from, you know, the, the UK was there. Anyway, so Live Aid is on stage. And, you know, you forget the little things like Phil Collins played drums on it. And people forget. People or people don't know under 40, Phil Collins was considered up there with with the, 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 the Keith Moons, the Neil Perts, and you know, the Stuart Copelands as drummers, drummers, not just a guy who counted to four fast or slow like me, but somebody who was, wow, drummer. He was a drummer on that. Anyways, but in this one clip, as they're singing at Live Aid, you know, it's it, there's, they're sharing passing around one mic. And it goes from Bowie to Bono to Freddie Mercury. And they're all standing there and you're like, huh, if I was to list my top 10 favorite artists of all time, <laughs> I, I those Three. Those three are fighting. Are they all in the top five? Because they're all in the top ten, but are they all in the top five? And then in this one moment singing this song that didn't matter, that still matters, that means something, that still gets me. It was the Mountain Rushmore of 80s rock. <laughs> yes. Of like 80s, like especially like British, European rock, you know? Um, it was. So, so to see that, so that song, every I probably heard it on the radio. It's one of those things. I don't think... I've intentionally played it in forever, but you can't be driving and hit the either classic rock or the Christmas stations without it being one of every fifth or sixth song played. I, it is just great. It is. Uh, and by the way, Live Aid apparently is like the uh, the crescendo in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Like, oh, Queen's performance at Live Aid. Nobody knows this. He's 
he's truly at that point one foot in the grave and the other foot on a roller skate. I don't know. Is that because he died in ninety one and that was eighty five? Right, was right. But he was years. very sick. He, I don't know. Well, I think he. Hmm, I don't know about that. Well, we're fine now. Yeah, you know. Um, Cause I, I, but their set, because he only did like a twenty minute set. Yeah, just watch it if you haven't. I mean, oh, it, well, I did. I have. It's like it's amazing. Wow. I mean, it, it's it, and you sit there and you're like, and, and it, it was his death that they weren't bigger. But you forget. No, I, not you, of course. I know why they weren't bigger in the United States. Homophobia. You think so? Yeah. The village and, people. Uh, but yeah, but they weren't. The village people were popular for a time, and they were of a thing. I think, um, you know, their stadium rock songs were uh, legendary. Or still are. Yeah, and then they did a video for I Want to Be Free, or I Want to Break Free. Right. And they all dressed up in drag. And it, it, it music, was a band. It was a band. It was music vid- and music video was very influential. I mean, let's not forget when Billy Squire did a music video, and like he did like a very... Some could say homoerotic music video. Um, you know, I, mean, I can. <laughs> um, he um, his career uh, did not uh, flourish after that video, and you know that's just the way it was received. Some acts could transcend that, and other acts couldn't. You know, some acts could just you know some acts were just like you know um, like uh, George Michael. He wasn't gay out super. Gay. I don't know. Was he? Maybe I. I Maybe he was. I don't. Do you, do you know who the other guy in Wham was? <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody does. That's a trick question. No, the trick question is when somebody says, "Oh, it's Adam Richley," you instantly look at the person and say "fag" and walk away. <laughs> or at least that's what I, I did all through the eighties because I was not woke. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that back to modern day. But uh, uh, but that, I think going back to my point about Queen, yeah, I don't think that they were huge because oh, I mean they were huge. But I mean their videos. I mean they they were they were one of those bands that was, and and I won't get into it. But I wrote a movie script with a guy who discovered Queen. I wrote a movie treatment with a guy who discovered Queen, a guy named Bob Mercer, who's an industry who was an industry giant, died about fifteen years ago, and it was about the making of the Bohemian Rhapsody song, and I'll bore you for just a moment. They were to play on Top of the Pops, which was it, and the music world. The entire music world, it was Top of the Pops. If you're on that... Right, it was a TV, it was a TV well, show in, in England. Right. It, it was equivalent. If you got on Ed Sullivan's show, yeah. you, it was... Like it, bigger than American Idol, bigger than... Oh, American, yeah. Because yeah. there was no other competition to it. That was it. The rule was, if you were local, you had to play it live. They, you couldn't you know, do a video. Unless... No, if you were local, you couldn't do it live. And they weren't going to let them do Bohemian Rhapsody because it was a six-minute song unless it was number one. And so what Bob Mercer did is he – and it cost EMI tens of thousands of dollars, but they bought all the records up. They shipped them to the record company or to the stores, the brick-and-mortar stores. Uh, Amazon wasn't moving many, many things at the time. They bought their own records, then had to repackage them. And sell them back to – so they lost so much to make it number one and then booked a fictitious tour so that they wouldn't be in town because you can't do that. The, the right. way it was it, – It's an engineered song. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's pieced together from different components. And then like when they got big and you could 
play to a track or have an orchestra or have all these other elements. But Queen wasn't Queen yet to do that. And so that's when they let them do the video. That video was it. That video changed. That, again, <clears throat> that was a moment in time. You can point to Nirvana doing Smells Like Teen Spirit changed things. The Beatles on Sullivan changed things. You know, the, the Bohemian Rhapsody on Music Top video. of the Pops. Yeah. James, and so you know it's interesting, but again with Live Aid, you know it's it's amazing because Bowie was there too, who recorded Under Pressure, arguably the greatest song ever to to actually sing it live with you know um, Queen Queen. And anyways, so I got off on tangent. I extend my apologize. Sticking with Christmas music, also the Christmas people, also the Christmas people, the channels always play. Um, so this is Christmas by Lennon and. Um, and the McCarthy song, um, what's it? What's oh, um, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Is that Paul McCartney or is that Wings? That is something that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> and um, I think it's Wings. And right. so the argument is: was the Beatles more Lennon? Was the Beatles more McCarthy? Both of them McCartney. McCartney, sorry. The both of them had amazing careers. I mean, Paul McCartney still has a great, vibrant career. He truly does. What is he pushing eighty, and he still has a very vibrant career going? It's um, a song by Paul McCartney and Wings. And Wings. Uh, and what do you call a dog with wings? Don't I do Linda not lie. McCartney. Yeah, thank you, Linda. Thank McC- you. Hey, at least she had two legs. <laughs> Anyways, right? Do you want to do your impersonation of Linda McCartney? Thank you. Anyways, so here's the thing. It's like you can debate who was is is it is it Belichick or Brady? It, was it Lennon McCartney? Uh, which one had a better post career? You know, up to 1980. Let's say until John <laughs> Lennon died, who had a bigger career? Because Wings were huge, and, and and Lennon was huge. But oh my God, I hate his Paul McCartney's Christmas song. Yeah, stop playing it. It's awful. It, it's awful. Yeah. I'd rather listen to "Baby It's Cold Outside" on a loop than um, actually no, just the just the rapey part of wait, wait. "Baby It's Cold Outside." You would rather listen to "Baby It's Cold" with uh, oh, I'm trying to think of who's the female lawyer who represents everybody. Oh, Gloria, Gloria Allred. Gloria, yeah, you'd rather listen to that on right. a loop, right. holding hands with Gloria Allred. Yes, I'd rather her duet it with uh, Al Franken. <laughs> <laughs> So, man, <laughs> well, well played, my friend. Yeah, so I, I just want to, you know, as much as I'm in the Christmas Simply book, stop playing that fucking song. And then you got, uh, what was the song at the end of Scrooged? Oh. Is that a Christmas song? Uh, what's the name of the song at the end of Scrooged? Uh, oh, oh, um, oh, God, um... You know what's distracting me is that they're practicing piano upstairs, and all oh. I can hear is um, Carol of the Bells. Carol of the Bells. Um, that is that's that is a, 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 a it is it is. I now I got to look it up. Keep can, can talking. We, can we talk about Carol of the Bells for just a second? We, yeah. Can we sidetrack? Why not? So Joe's son, uh, Chip Boy, is teaching my oldest Carol of the Bells. Here is the problem with it. My little guy plays it for, you know, five to ten minutes every day at home, and I've literally heard it at least a hundred times since the last time we were here a week ago. I'm all good with it. It's nice. I like it. I can never hear one note of it without instantly, it's Peter Griffin <laughs> making, you know, uh, what was Ding, it? Ding, fries are done. Ding, fries are done. And... 
every single goddamn time my kid starts playing Carol of the Bells, it's Peter Griffin singing, do you want to have a pie with that? Do you want to have a pie with that? <laughs> the, um, the song is Put a Little Love in Your Heart. And that was an Al Green song, I think. Christmas song? No. It's a uh, uh, think of your fellow man, put a little love in your heart. Then how how do I have it on my top five Christmas songs? Because it was in the movie Scrooged. Uh, okay. Directed by the great Richard Donner. Is uh is is let me let me throw this out there, Christmas Christmas folks. If put a little love in your heart is not a Christmas song, then Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Die Hard is, it's, I know, Die Hard's, I hate, I hate that argument, The Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Die Hard, it's a movie that takes place during Christmas. And you know what? For people who are in their 30s and 40s that don't have children, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But for everybody else, no. It's, a, it's an awesome movie that takes place during Christmas. Just like Gremlins is not a Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas, not a Christmas movie. Uh, Batman Returns with Michael Keaton. Right, exactly. We can go on and on. Um, but I, 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 uh, I, I, I love uh, Scrooge. I think we talked about Scrooge. I, I, we're going to talk more about it today. Good. Um, because the aforementioned by you just moments ago, Richard Donner, uh, Superman the movie turns 40 today. Wow. Today. As, as, we're reco- as you people are listening to it, it is 40 and two days old, <laughs> but as of the recording of this podcast, it is 40 today. I have no idea how that's possible because I remember going to see it for the first time uh, with my mom about three weeks ago, it seems. <laughs> Funny how time works. I watched it again today. Yes. Got the chills? Dude, I do. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, we, 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 by the way, I'll plug it now. Uh I like well. I should ask Joe first. I would like to do a Superman the movie sideshow this week. Yeah, I. And see, I'm wondering. I because I, I had a thought on your way over here. Um, <laughs> what it, if <laughs> this Thursday is going to be the last Thursday before Christmas? So I'm not sure if we should do a Christmas themed sideshow. I like having production meetings on air and then putting it out there t- for people to debate. Um, um, but yeah, we could do we could do this. I like we could do we could record seven sideshows. Okay. this week. So so then I will talk a little bit about. It. Yeah, it's forty years old. I texted you today and said, "Hey, it's on my Apple TV. Log in and watch it." <laughs> um, I watched it. The music always gets me. It will not ever be a time when it doesn't get me. Little known fact that was uh, composed by John Williams. We will do, <laughs> and and there's got to have been hundreds of books written about this, thesis papers, and probably three podcasts. Is John Williams the most successful person in films the last fifty years? Hmm, that is a that you posited a very provoking question, provocative, and, and about three years ago, four years ago, Squishy, my youngest. Started playing, and I think it was ten years old by that point. The Lego, the Lego um, Justice League game, or may, I don't know when it came out. Yeah. Every time Superman goes to take off. Oh, DC, the DC uh, heroes, the DC, DC super, heroes, DC superheroes. Yeah. Every single time. Gets me. Yeah. But when you watch it in real time, and we were watching it this morning, and like the long. The opening credit sequence is so elongated, <laughs> and it's I'm fine with it. 
And when you first hear that the music and it takes a good it's a good 90 seconds of a slow build to the crescendo. Yeah. And every single time I'm I'm 10. Yeah. Going to see it. And then I did. I um <laughs> and she's such a bitch. And I'll say that on air. <laughs> Nothing management loves more than taking pictures of me crying, oh. watching movies. Because she always knows. I'm not going to watch It's a Wonderful Life She always knows. Um, yeah. But, like, there's Pa. Like, you know, the scene where Clark runs home from high school and he, like, gets all the way across Smallville and the kids are driving. Like, how did you get here? I ran in the frog's like, showing up. And he has this whole talk about, look, and, and, and Clark's upset because the football players are picking on him. And he's like, I go score a touchdown every time I touch the ball. Every time. And as far as like, son, I, you're here for purpose. I, I don't know what it is. I know it's not to score touchdowns, you know. And then you know, he has this, this is wonderful, wonderful moment and then drops. And I'm like, and I know it's coming. It's like, I, I if I ever get to the Senate, I'm banning the first ten minutes of Up, <laughs> the uh, the last. How about the what the last um, act of um, Star Wars, um, The Force Awakens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that 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 all. That's not going to happen. Up, Leia's not going to die. You know, it's it's. I, I'm, I'll go down the whole list, but yeah. but I'm going to start with Up and then get to Pa dying in Superman. But this movie, and again, you, we don't know when we're going to do a Superman one. Um, it you. Do you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Probably at one point, uh, but this changed everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. And and when we do the sideshow... What it, Star, uh, briefly, just like a little analogy. What Star Wars did to sci-fi, Superman did to comic books. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, they both had uphill battles to fight. I'm not going to... When we do it, we're not going to read off facts from Wikipedia. I mean, if you want to go look up the people who they wanted to play Superman, mm. uh, the the list that was approved by the studio, Muhammad Ali was one of their top wow. choices. Yeah, um, Bruce Jenner. Yeah, was uh, he wanted to play it? You know, he's coming. It's shot in seventy six, seventy seven. Yeah, you know, right, right. He off was of it. The, uh, yeah, um, and and so. You, you and then you go down the list of the people who passed, and it's wow because you know you go to the backstory. Whoever put that suit on, and because there was a lot of TV shows and appearances, and either it was campy, it was kids, people thought it was career suicide in some cases. Yeah. Um, either it's going to flop and you're going to flop with it, or it's going to be successful and you're going to only be seen as Superman forevermore. Like at this point. Adam West was was Batman for a decade. Yeah, this know? and more on the sideshow. Okay, Superman but but yeah, it, it turned forty today. It was great, but it's funny because you mentioned Richard Donner, who directed yes. directed Superman one and seventy five percent of Superman two because mm-hmm. he shot them simultaneously. Uh, they were falling behind, so they like listen. Pump the brakes on Superman 2 because if this flops, there ain't going to be a Superman 2. Just do this. And then he got fired off it. And the version that's on my Apple TV. Is the director's cut? It's the director's Good. cut. Good. Of, of two. Of, yeah. Of, yeah. 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 Oh, also of one. Because well, I mean, it's his. Oh, there's a director's cut of one. Yes, because there's oh. a lot more of Jarrell in it. Or as we've come to know him, 
Richard Pryor's friend. <laughs> uh, and again, that, that might be the most amazing story. He got three something, like 3.1, 3.2. And this is 1975 money because they paid him three years before they started shooting to lock him up. All his scenes had to be shot in 12 days. And typical Marlon Brando wouldn't remember, wouldn't remember his lines on purpose. Like, he will not remember it. Yeah, I got a high cue cards around the place. You know, they wanted to shoot in Rome, and they started to do some production in Rome, and Marlon Brando had a warrant out for his arrest for... He, they shot the last Tango in Paradise. Last Tango in Paris. And Paris, and there's a rape scene in this, yeah. that there was a warrant out for him. So then they're like, oh, we're going to go to London. Well, then they lost the director they had attached at the time who was wanted in the UK for tax evasion. But you again, you go down the list of who they wanted to play Superman, who they wanted to direct it. And, you know, and it was... They want George Lucas, you know. Um, uh, yeah, they want George Lucas, mm-hmm. who, you know. Well, let's see how this Jaws thing does. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer available because he went right from that. Anyways, we'll do a sideshow. It's the 40th anniversary. Uh, Richard Downey. Oh, Richard Downer. Donner. Donner. So Blitzen. <laughs> so let's uh, skip the politics. Let's let's you know. Let's we, we, gloss over. Nobody gives a fuck. We had a mess of a week in politics. It all sucked. No, it didn't. We'll talk a little bit about just good, but I I did want to say. So that, so but let's stick on movies for a second. Yes. The other day I woke up, for some reason, you know, maybe mom-in-law or the wife had left it on um, Turner Movie Classic. It was an old movie I'd never heard about from like 1931. I got caught up watching it while I was making the kids breakfast and getting ready. And I hit record and I came home and watched the restaurant. And then uh, there was a bunch of other old movies that I'm like, oh, Ginger Rogers from 1932, 33. I'm like, yeah, I'll just tape this and watch it and stuff. So I watched like three or four old movies this week. Um all all remastered, all look fantastic. And some of the movies are really small and it's hard to find any real information about the production. And some of them it's it's interesting that this person was tiny who goes on to be huge or stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um interesting thing and I don't know if it just happened to be the ones I watched this week, including Bride of Frankenstein, the movies just end. Right. Right. It was just sort of like the end. Like, like, like it's building up to something. Here it is. It's over. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, the, like the, 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 um, the monster is killed or something happens and there's like no epilogue. Nothing. There's just like, done. Yeah. And, 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 and you're like. Well, I mean, they, honestly, that's probably to keep the runtime down so they could increase the number of plays in the theater. You know, the number of showings. I, I don't know how movies work. Back, I, I, it was one of those things where like you paid a dime and you could go all day kind of deal. So maybe that wasn't the case, or maybe they just literally ran out of film. <laughs> film was expensive, yes. and the processing of film was expensive. But it was just you have these depthful stories sometimes, and then it's just all of a sudden it's like wrapped up in about two pages. All the storylines come together. So I saw Bride of Frankenstein. The Bride of Frankenstein herself, it's in the movie less than two minutes. And hmm. she doesn't like him, which is why, you know, they decide, Frankenstein decides, oh, she, should I say spoiler alert? Are we, are we <laughs> Please. Spoiler I haven't seen Bride of Frankenstein, but so spoil away. You know, because I know it. God. Do you know when your grandfather was born? Because I know it predates your your father. Uh, 
Uh, but My father it, was born in twenty nine. So was he really? Yeah, he, yeah. So maybe, maybe a six year old little, you know. <laughs> what was your father's first name, Mister Joe? Okay, yeah. Mister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so and, and, and Portugal, you know, and the uh, oh. Guys, I'm tra- was he from the Azores? Yeah, the Azores. Look at me, huh? Yeah. Did they have movie theaters in the Azores in 35? I think they had a. Uh. Okay. So maybe he saw it. But at the end of it, the the bride, uh, she becomes woke. <laughs> she becomes uh, a sentient being. And she is scared and aghast of the Frankenstein monster. You know, people confuse. It's not Frankenstein. Yeah, the doctor is Frankenstein. Gotcha. This is a Frankenstein monster. Or Frankenstein. <laughs> what is well, if you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Anyways, so it's funny, and it's the same thing. It's this whole build. Um, he's, you know. He's blackmailed into creating, like, they kidnap Dr. Frankenstein's um, fiance, mm. this evil scientist, in order to make him make. I'll take the blonde, you take the one with the toy bin. <laughs> make, make, a, make another a creature so he can see the trick, be part of it. She wakes, she sees him, she flips out. They try to calm everybody down. He goes over to hold her hand. She flips out again. Uh, he sees the fire. Uh, Is fire good? Fun fact. Fire bad. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he decides, the Frankenstein monster, to let Dr. Frankenstein and his bride leave. But this evil guy who made him make this creature, he's going to tear down. The castle and uh, three of them are going to meet their demise, and mm-hmm. it's over. Oh, that's it. And I'm like, the whole build to her becoming alive. She's on camera two minutes, and see. Wow. So wow, what a what a um, what a trip down memory lane that was. Now uh, let's get back to this year. What are we going to see? So we're going to see into the Spider Verse. Yes, that's a, a given. Um, Bumblebee. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yeah. You guys going to go see that in the theater? Yeah, my wife's uh, looking forward to that. As is mine. Uh, Dick Van Dyke's in it. And uh, Angela Lansbury. I think they are both 200 years combined (laughs) old. Seriously. I think, well, actually, uh, all joking aside, Dick Van Dyke just celebrated his 93rd birthday. And And Angela Lansbury's like in her 90s, too, or something. And I saw a clip on Twitter of him performing recently. Dancing. Yeah. Like, not... Not CGI. Like, he was on stage. Right, and not, dancing. like, one foot in. It wasn't, like, old Groucho. One foot out. Yeah. No. Like, man, how wonderful is that? Yeah, it's great. I love it. Clean living. Clean living. And so, okay, so Mary Sometimes Poppins... good things happen to good people. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Just, just barely. Uh, so you got that. And you said Bumblebee. Bumblebee. And uh, we're going to Splash Zone... Or Splash Fest 2018, probably two or three times. Jason Momoa, Aquaman. I heard Aquaman's a, a, a plus. Like, it's an, it's an up movie. Let's say you heard it was a shitty movie. Mm-hmm. 
Would I still be going opening <laughs> weekend? Yes. Would I give it anything less than two thumbs up? <laughs> no. Is it possible for me to not like a DC movie? <laughs> like physically? Um, yeah, I guess not. No. You know, so uh, I haven't seen Venom. I think we're, we're going to red box out DC, this week. That, no, not, no, but yeah. there's some hero movies, but I don't think there's a DC movie I didn't like. Even Green Lantern, I didn't love, but I'm like, I, I wasn't, I didn't hate it as much as I. I didn't like the villain. I didn't like certain elements of it. But I thought, you know, anyways. Yeah, uh-huh. But that's, so that's me. Oh, yeah. So we got movies. Um, we got movies. So from now to New Year's. Oh, what's the other one? And I know your your management definitely has to want to see it. What's the period piece? Victorian England. It's not Mary Poppins. The favorites. Uh, what? Um, Downton Abbey? No, no. There's a what? big movie out now that's like Oscar bait. All set in Victoria, England. Oh God, I blanked. I'm it's, like, it's it's all uh, over the crap. I, don't know. I know Downton Abbey is coming out of the movie. I thought you were talking about no, that. No, no, no. I think it's called The Favorite. So I'm oh, quite favorite. sure that that your management wants to see that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so so you know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of stuff in the theater. Were we talking about Scrooge? No. <laughs> Let's talk about Scrooge. I love Scrooge. Um, Scrooge is a great movie. It stars Bill Murray. We know Scrooge. It um, has lots to do with um, the 80s. It has lots to do with TV. Um, and, of course, it's a retelling of A Christmas Carol. It's directed by Richard Donner, and it stars not only uh, Bill Murray, but Bob Cat Goldthwaite, who, who was the second choice. It was originally supposed to go to Sam Kinison. Oh. Yeah. But then he, uh, I guess he, uh, is, uh, he was classified as unstable. So really? That, yeah. You don't say. I do. Um, I think, and who is it, Viola Davis in there? No, no. am I I misremembering my black women actors? (laughs) Who played the mom and the secretary? Was it, was it, um, gosh darn it. You were asking, you were asking the the podcast senior racists <laughs> not senior race correspondents correspondent. no because i would be reporting on a racist act at that point um chatwick bozeman yes <laughs> good for you um i mean carol kane karen allen um alfrey woodard alfrey woodard yeah she was uh Allison, like um oh what uh what superhero movie was she in oh, fuck who's her cab driver I'm stuck on the cab driver. Oh, don't, uh, don't, don't. You'll not know his uh, Hot, hot, hot was he had like at one big Buster Poindexter. Yeah, his real name is um... Buster Poindexter. <laughs> and the guitarist from Gold Star is Buttons. <laughs> the singer of U2 is Bono. I mean, but like, look at the cast. I mean, Michael, Do- Michael O'Donohue from SNL was in this. Um, um, Brian Doyle Murray was his father in the 50s. Uh, Jamie Farr made a, a cameo appearance. Mary Lou Retton, of course. Oh God! But um, yeah, David Johansson is um, Buster Poindexter. Did you try Staples? <laughs> like every every part of that movie. But there, there, that's another one of those stupid ass dumb movies that makes me cry. And and like every time, it's like every goddamn time. You got something to say, little man? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> God blesses everyone. And then like you know Niagara Falls. Yep. My Niagara Falls. Uh, Every time yeah. he sees him, Geng- was it Genghis Khan? He took. Yeah, Genghis Khan. As soon as he saw his mother, no, it was until the. Yeah, maybe it was Genghis Khan. Or till- yeah, Niagara Falls. <laughs> um, yeah, that that um, and we. 
I don't know why I try to talk on these podcasts because I can't formulate a thought. I just know that Scrooge is good. There are many scenes in that uh, movie that just uh, it, it it also talked about the sensationalism of how television was going in those days and how you know um, I think it opened with the the, the Lee Majors. Um, Christmas movie was it like the day the reindeer died? <laughs> where it's like an action movie where they, uh, there's um, uh, w- Russians were attacking the North Pole and Santa's workshop, and they had to arm themselves and then um, take out the enemy with the help of Lee Majors. Um, and then uh, you know there was the uh, the the trailer for a Christmas Carol that they were working on that um, the network was putting together, and they had John Forsyth, America's favorite old fart, <laughs> reading from a book by a fireplace. And then he, did, he didn't like that version of the trailer for A Christmas Carol, which was going to be a Mother. live... <laughs> yeah, it was going to be a live performance of A Christmas Carol starring Buddy Hackett <laughs> as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, so then uh, Bill Murray's Christopher Cross... Christopher Cross, oh my God... Um, Xavier Cross puts together his, he's the head of the network, and he put together his own, for some reason, um, trailer, which had nothing to do with A Christmas Carol, but it was a threat of, like, you know, nuclear war and famine and, um, you know, all these epidemics. Apocalyptic. Yeah, all these apocalyptic things. It's like, you're... You know, you do not want to miss a Christmas Carol because your life may depend on it. Uh, you and, can't. You can't show that, right? And then the, the next day, they do. They did show it. Um, a woman dies of a heart attack because she's an old lady and she saw the trailer. And he looks at the headline and he goes, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" <laughs> but he's such a. I don't know. He's so Bill Murray. And then the the, the final scene when he, you know. Uh, he gets visited by three ghosts. Bill Murray oh. at his Bill Murrayist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, half of that stuff was improvised. It had to have been. Um, where he's uh, the he breaks into the live performance. They're live across the globe. Uh, they're at the end of a Christmas Carol in the show, and uh, he decide he he realizes the the errors of, of his ways, and um, he uh, just tells everybody to do good things and. Um, you know, if you see somebody on the street and they're and they're starving, just have them, you know, just take a sandwich and and say, "Here, I get it now. I I can feel it. I love it." You know, and, he, and like he he starts to tear up in the movie, and it's just like another one of those moments where you 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 start to feel emotions, Christmassy emotions, I call them. I don't like them, <laughs> but I give them a name. And then he breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> and he's talking to the audience in the theater, right? As the credits roll, yeah. Because the song goes on. Yeah. All right, let's hear the men. All right, now, the real men. Okay. <laughs> and not just the women. Okay, the real women. Hey, hey, you. You in the back, who's been talking throughout the entire movie the whole time. <laughs> Don't think we didn't notice you. Uh, again, that scene is Bill Murray. At, it's it. You know, I will always love him for that moment in time. I mean, Carol Kane, as um, Ghost of Christmas Past, kicking his fucking ass. <sighs> You know, uh, brutally beats the fuck out of him, right? And he, they, they're eavesdropping on his brother's uh, family or friends playing True Pursuit. Pursuit. What is the name of the boat that the cast of Gilligan's Island? Uh, 
road. See that this is a scene that kills me. That this is a scene. Yeah, when he looks down to the mute boy and says, "You got something to say, little man." Yeah. But when at the end, when he's wrapping it up, all oh, right, because his brother has the dinner party with their friends in Christmas present that he's invited to every year, and he never shows. And his secretary, who is the one who sends out the gifts, and it's you're either getting a monogram towel from the network or a VCR, which in 88 was still that's that a, a hot item three hundred four hundred dollar thing yeah which is about a grand now and it was know? like a high end VCR and you know he was only sending that to executives and huge people and yeah. his secretary towel to towel. towel most of these are towels you know. Um, and so his brother was to get a towel, his only living relative, his brother. And, you know, and his brother's wife is always like, why do you try? You know, it's like you've been doing it for years. Like, He's my brother, you know. Anyway. Wendy Malik, by the way. So they, the, the ghost of Christmas present takes him there to see him. And he's laughing with her friends and he sees it. And he sees that, you know, he's opening a VCR. And, and Bill Murray's like, sees this moment where... How how touches bro. anyway? Yeah. But then when it flashes back, or you know, when, when, when it flashes back, when he cuts then. back, when he's doing the live show, when he cuts in, and he's like talking to his brother directly, and he's like the SS Minnow, and right. he was like, no points this round. <laughs> and then they're all like, well, how did he know? Yeah, because they're like, watching live on TV. You know, the VCR was from uh, Grace. Yeah, and, that was Grace's know, idea. That was Grace's idea. Yeah, I got you a towel this Christmas. The and, VCR was Grace. And then he says hi to his. I can't even say it like without chewing. Uh, he says hi to his wife. Right. And it's just this moment, like, oh, he really gets it. Yes. And I and every after every viewing, I vow to be a better person. And then I eat something, or I play something, or I watch something else, and I wake up the next morning, and I'm still the same empty, despondent asshole every single time. It it changes me for maybe five or ten minutes, and then I'm back to normal. Abby normal. <laughs> but, you know, it does stick with me a little more. And But you are a good person because you do give back. You do go to soup kitchens. You know, you do take in people when necessary. You do you do see a, a homeless guy on the street and hand him a sandwich. Say, here. here. Well, <laughs> well, actually, the last time you ran to a guy who said he hadn't had a bite in three days, you bit him. <laughs> well, well done. But you give back in other ways. I do. Like right now, you're giving back. You're putting out good karma, goodwill, and you are going to delight me and at least a half a dozen other people because we are again going to do self-indulgent theater. Not that you didn't just do it with the <laughs> Bill Murray thing. That was, yeah. But last week mm-hmm. when Joe read the lyrics to Dan Cray... Uh, from dancray.net, not the jazz guy, uh, his song Firing Line as Jimmy Stewart, it brought cheer and merriment to so many others. I, kind sir, would like to now call on you to read another one of my favorite dance songs okay. that has become an id song-ish, um, Where You Been. It's when I heard this song for the first time about three years ago when Dan wrote it. We haven't sat down and really talked about it, but I think it's a song from Dan to himself about some maybe lost years about, hey, (laughs) you've been gone for a while. Um, (laughs) It's nice to have you back. 
I, I it's it's an emotional song for me. I love it, and I would like you to ratchet it up by maybe doing it as, uh, let's say, Bernie Sanders, Gilbert Gottfried, or must, Paul Lynn. You have to pick one. Okay, you you decide. You know, for this, I think I'm going with Paul Lynn. All right, and it's not going to be good. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, mm. I give you self indulgent theater starring Joseph uh, as Paul Lynn. Doing Dan Cray's Where You Been. Everybody's waiting. Everyone came to see how it was. it's ending. To see if you've changed. They heard you were lost, but now you've come home. Where have you been, kid? Where did you go? There's so many questions. There's so much to say. So much has happened since you went away. But they can't find the words when they get you alone. Where have you been, kid? Where'd you go? I will never enjoy playing that song more. And last night when we were playing Firing Line, it was so hard. Not There was a couple times where I'm like, just keep my head down, kind of look at the floor, and don't make eye contact with you because I would have completely it's, – it's a tough song for me to play, as is, because uh, – I'm not good. <laughs> and had I looked up. Oh, you would have lost. Because when we rehearsed, like the couple days before, and at the end when, when when Dan ended with your. Gosh darn it. I'm like, oh, oh my doggone God. it. Yeah. Like you know, uh, yeah, it was great. So, so you know, we, uh, I don't know how we're doing on time. So we're not going to. 50 minutes. We're not going to talk too much politics. We're not actually going to talk too much sports. But I would like to just. Talk about the good. Something we we won't talk about, but a horrific moment in U.S. history happened this year with the passing of a seven-year-old girl in one of our concentration camps. Everybody else is talking to that. It's horrible. I have no idea how we will ever explain that away. The What makes an awful situation worse is the victim shaming. Well, that's what happens. Shouldn't have come here. It's like, yeah, that's what it says on the Statue of Liberty. But I want to talk about the good this week because some good stuff happened, Joseph. Um how does President Pelosi sound to you? Sounds uh, not as far fetched as you might think. Oh, really? Well, well. You first of all, let's talk about Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. on. You can't say national TV because it's worldwide. On worldwide TV, bitch slapping Benedict Donald, bitch slapping, flat out gloves off, no more holding back. A, a, a good, a polite. A respectful, fuck you, sir. Um, at the meeting, he says, well, Nancy's not really saying much. She can't really now. She's in a really tough position, alluding to the fact that her speakership is in question because there are, are some Democrats who won congressional seats running on the Republican, anybody, you know, no Pelosi. Like, I'm a Democrat, but I'm new blood and – they played into what the Republicans wanted. Either way, she pretty much has the vote. She's going to be speaker. But Blotus was trying to say, well, she's in a tough spot. She flat out said, well, she's in a tough spot right now. She really can't say much. Uh, I respect, like, the tough position she's in. And she flat out said, you know, don't question the strength that I bring to this meeting. So it's him, it's Chuck Schumer, who will not make eye contact with them, and points out, yeah, you know, the New York Times are giving you endless Pinocchios on your stats. Like, politely saying, 
you're a fucking liar. But Pelosi was the bad cop to Chuck's. I don't want to say good cop. He wasn't, you know, kowtowing, you know, to to Blotus. But he, you know, Blotus was trying to say, oh, I won the Senate. It's like, and she was like. Well, 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 Chuck Sumer said, you know, when the when the president is uh, crowing about winning Indiana and North Dakota, you know you're in trouble. Which, they don't win North Dakota if they don't take the Native American vote away. I mean, that's and that's just the truth. Right. But, but they're, Repub- they're mostly But the good thing is, Nancy Pelosi, flat out, at the meeting, and then she respectfully said, let's turn off the cameras and have this meeting because... And she said outside... Let's debate about this in private. Because she didn't want to on national TV say, you're fucked up, that your your stats and figures are bullshit. And what I love, and and the, here's, here's the two highlights for me. And Schumer called him out on it to his face without making contact, which I guess upset Bloated. But to his face, on one hand, Bloated is doing the typical thing. Saying how great the security is and how they caught ten terrorists this year, just making stats up. We we call we what did he say? We caught ten uh, very dangerous terrorists in the last uh, short amount of time. <laughs> he didn't even have a year. And, and so strict humor says like, oh, so the security we have is working, so you don't need more money, <laughs> you know, so you don't need this. And then he also called out, it's like. You haven't used more than 5% of the allocated money last year. Why do you need more money now? Like, flat out calling them out. It's like, you can't say the border security is working and you've caught all these terrorists. I need all this more money for border security. It's like, it's either it's working or it isn't. Um, either way, it was just great to see that uh, Michael Cohen was sentenced this year, this week to three real years in jail, 36 months, which... There's not going to be any leeway on. Well, I thought there was a possibility if with good behavior he could get like 24 months. Not that low. Like maybe a couple months off, they yeah. said. But he's looking at 34. Yeah, and he has to turn himself in in March. And By March. But now, you know, the, the Mueller investigation recommended no jail time because he's cooperating. It's the state of New York that is saying, no, he still will not cooperate on this long list of things and people are saying if he's if he flips on this it's his father-in-law who goes down it's family members of his that on the state crimes it can also be implicated so he's protecting somebody he's not protecting blotus anymore and the state of new york prosecutors are the ones so the the judge got two sentencing recommendations and at the same time the judge also said you know i think a couple of the months that were thrown on. He said, I don't remember exactly how many months he said, but he did clearly say, you lied to Congress. You're getting this extra time. Your sentence would have been 30 months. I'm throwing on an extra six because you lied to Congress, which is really signaling Michael Flynn, who's coming up for sentencing, who it Manafort, who's coming up for sentencing also that past week. And, and look, I'm putting it kind of in the wind column. At the same time, it's a grim history. Um, the Russian woman, Bur- Maria Butina. She. Butina! It, here, here's a great thing. It's like they have all the evidence where here's her texting and emailing back and forth with her handler, who's like the head of the KGB, who's one of the top five advisors to Putin. 
And Putin's still saying, I don't know who this woman is. I've never heard. But it doesn't matter. She 100. And when she gets home, people are like, oh, she's going to be afraid to go home. No, she, her mission was to sow dissension, was to f- stir up the pot, was to cause strife. And, and the funny thing is, um, uh, and, and it was obviously planned at the RNC, at the Republican National Convention, when Blotus won the thing and he had his first question and answer period. The first question asked to him was asked by this woman. And the question is, if you get elected, are you going to lighten sanctions on Russia? The first question he got as the Republican uh, candidate officially was from her because that's how high up she had maneuvered herself. Uh, This is also wreaking real havoc with the NRA. Real havoc with the NRA because they got all the stuff. So, They're money launderers. So you got the NRA having an awful week. You have another witch confessing. You know, you know this Maria. Uh, you have Cohen getting a real jail sentence. And every time a layer of the onion is peeled back, well, now it opens up. And everybody knew it. When, when the inauguration ended up raising like twice as much money. Oh, where'd that money go? Yeah, good question. Oh, Wait a minute. Did it go to a family member who he often kisses on the lips? <laughs> and apparently that comp- it was a company that had just did not exist until 45 days before the inauguration. Right. And, and it was like a quarter of the funds raised. <laughs> money just went away. Uh, so, this isn't a heist at all. What are you talking about, you crazy liberal snowflake, you? So, so every time a, a, one, one of these witches... So this witch hunt now has had a dozen people in the inner, inner circle pleading guilty, now doing jail time. Like, the last guy who got a sentence, he got like two months or something. Cohen got three full years and not at a country club prison. And at the same time, it was the state who came down harder on him. And the state crimes, even if – and the reason he's working with everybody, he can't get – a pardon Mm -hmm. because they're state crimes. And that's the same thing with Manafort. He's going to be charged. He's being charged on state crimes, not federal New York state. Right. And so, and by the judge saying you lied to Congress, that's, that's shooting. Like, you know, that's a warning shot to everybody else who lied to Congress. Let's say everybody who might've been in the meeting at Trump tower about emails, uh, such as Giuliani, such as, you know, so all these people, which this past week, since we last talked, like right after the podcast last week is when we find out Kelly is no longer going to be chief of staff. And in the last seven days, you've had publicly, Rick Santorum, you know, turn him down. You had the guy, uh, the head of the chief of staff for Mike Pence who said, not only do I not want this job, I'm moving back to Georgia. See you, bitches. <laughs> um, Rick Santorum said no. Uh, the governor of New Jersey. Um, Chris Christie. Chris Christie. Oh, the ex-governor. Yeah. Ex-governor turned him down. You know what I mean? It's like you go down the list of all the, the rats are abandoning ship. And, and apparently he named Mike Mulvaney. The acting chief of staff, uh, to which uh, Mike Mulvaney's staff uh, said after the announcement, news to us. And the great thing is it, 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 it everybody but Fox News has been playing the tape where right after he becomes, you know, the nominee, it's like on a hot mic, Mulvaney saying he's the worst person we could have had run. 
like at the time, like right. before, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> he he was one of those uh, never Trumpers, and now he's chief of staff. So, oh boy. so that you know what? It wasn't the worst week. I think I, I you know was it a Christmas miracle? We got we got what eight days till Christmas? Ten, yeah, yeah ten oh, days. Eight, oh Christmas. yeah, eight, whatever. Yeah, we we we, 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 we You're right. We, You're thinking future. I, I think there's a couple more presents to be put under the tree. This is like Hanukkah. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to enjoy uh, enjoy those thoughts. Mm. And you are going to enjoy the dulcet tones of some 70s announcer from a defunct, from a defunct sponsor of the week. Drug addiction. Uh, uh, uh. International terrorism. Freeway killers. Now, more than ever, it's it is important, important to remember the, the true, true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just depend on it. Fan effing tastic. Uh, I, I did want to say a lot of people were jumping on him going back up for just a second. When Pelosi went back and forth and about the shutdown, and when he says, you know, I'm gonna shut it down if I don't get my way, and he would be proud to shut He would down be the proud to for, shut it down for border security. And enter and right away, like Nancy Pelosi jumps in, it's like well, the Trump shutdown. She already hashtag labeled it instantly, on, and the look on his face—it's like he's like, "Well, if you're going to say you're going to own it," and when she called it the Trump shutdown, and it went back and forth, I instantly had this thought. And then over the next couple of days, everybody had this thought. Apparently, every comedy writer on the talk shows—it instantly became a rabbit season, <laughs> duck season, rabbit season, duck season. Duck season. Whammit season. No, we fucked uh, it yeah, up. Yeah, I fucked but it. But I fucked it up. But anyways, yeah, when he took credit for it. So on <laughs> on live TV, they got him to, you know, say he's proud of shut down, take credit for it, brag about winning North Dakota. And far, I mean, it's the only thing I think ever that Trump didn't want to brand with his name on it. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't want this shutdown being named a Trump shutdown. And you can't spin it now, bitch. Or you could try, right. you know. Hey, didn't we have a defunct sponsor already? We did. So let's get into sport. Yes. I don't have anything. Why? Like, nothing happened with the Patriots last you know, week? Nah. You know, yesterday, Steelers game. Another I don't want to talk about. Another triumphant win. And what <laughs> happened in Miami. Don't want to talk Miami. about. And everyone's talked about. Um, plus, we've, we, we, we've just babbled on long enough. Let's get to what the people really want. The end. More self-indulgent theater. Um, we do not have a random video game review of the week because... Aww. We have a intentional video game review of the week. Now, now I'll let you tell the people. It is like Hanukkah because, you, you know, it's not Christmas. <laughs> it's like Little Christmas. No, wait. Little Christmas is December 6th. I'm stupid. Uh, Sonic Mega Collection Plus is what Jacques handed to me for the PlayStation 2. So a little backstory. Uh, last weekend, he's in the uh, ladies' section of Savers. <laughs> For Looking some reason, for some red pants. <laughs> Looking for some red Thank pants. Thank you, Alex. Hot pants, as I like to call them. And um, he remembers from my discussion last week about looking for games and, you know, um, 
these places like Savers and Goodwill and what have you. So he stumbles upon a shelf of used video games at Savers, and he says, any gold here? And I go, eh, not really. And then, like, on second looking, I'm like, I guess maybe, like, the Sonic game and the Star Wars game, maybe. Little did I know that uh, he had left the store after I had texted him that message, which was, like, 45 minutes after he had texted me about the games. Um, turns out that he sees my text and decides to turn around and go right back to Saver so that he could pick up the games that I mentioned that maybe have some value. Um, so thank you for this. It's Sonic Mega Collection Plus for the PlayStation 2. And Star Wars Bounty Hunter, also for the PlayStation 2. Complete in case with manuals. So That's what made me say, hey. Real gold. And for $4 each, you know, that's not bad. Um, you know, Sonic, the Mega Collection for Sonic is, I mean, it's cool to have on PlayStation. I, have, I actually have a Sonic Collection, you know, for the GameCube. And they've re-released the Sonic Collection's ad nauseum like every time a new console comes out like it's on the switch now but, but on this version it's before um lucas superimposes that java scene <laughs> at the hangar right this is not the director's <laughs> cut this is uh so the sonic mega collection plus real briefly review it it's a it's a collection of all the sega genesis sonic games from sonic the hedgehogs one two and three to uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Sonic and Knuckles, which Sonic and Knuckles is a fun, funny game. It was an add-on. It's a standalone game, but it is designed so that it has a little uh, compartment on the top of it, the actual cartridge, the original cartridge of Sonic and Knuckles, where if you had Sonic 3, you could put Sonic 3 on top of the cartridge of Sonic and Knuckles, put that into the Genesis, and then you're playing... An entirely new game. It's like Sonic 3 Plus or Sonic and Knuckles Plus. Um, and then there's Sonic 3D Blast and Sonic Spinball, which is just like a pinball game with Sonic in it. Uh, it has unlockable games and secrets. It's a redesigned interface. There's bonus extra material. And uh, it's just fun to have um, for any Sonic fan. And by the way, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming out next year. Live action. Yeah, a lot of people are, a lot of nerds are up in arms because it's just the poster that's been revealed. But the poster has the silhouette or the vague outline of a, um, I guess a, a quote unquote live action CGI version of Sonic with um, with fur instead of maybe like bristles or quills, and it's just like. Get over it. And, Get well, a life. And, and I think the network response to that, um, or not the network, the studio, studio response. Oh, did I say studio? I met their mom saying, honey, when are you moving out? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that was. Now, what, 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 did, what, what was the going rate of that? Because, oh, well, you got it for four. Right? I, I don't see it any cheaper than $4.99 plus $3 shipping. Right. So, you got a deal. Dude, seriously. Score. Um, and then the other game is. Star Wars Bounty Hunter, you play as Jango Fett, the most fearless bounty hunter in the galaxy. It's uh it looks like uh you know like a third person shooter, like a 3D kind of game. Um it looks like it's it's uh decent. It's LucasArts, which is good. Um LucasArts is no longer. They were the video game studio for decades from the 90s onward that would uh develop a lot of great classic PC and um, 
platform, you know, console games for um, for Star Wars. And uh, yeah, I mean, this has the manual too. The manual, a nice full color manual. The the uh, the disc looks to be in good condition, and um, it's just got like a neat little uh, shot of. Django Fett jumping in midair while shooting off his double guns. Yeah, he had, you know, it, it almost looks like a, a scene from when he's fighting um, Obi-Wan on the landing platform. Oh, right. You know, uh, so no, I and, and when I saw that, I'm like, oh, man. This is this Django is Fett, too. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who uh, Django Fett, as we all know, was the uh, the DNA source for the, the Clone Wars. For the Clone the Troopers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, I'm excited to hear the review of you 100%ing this game <laughs> by next week. Right. Uh, I'm, and I'm not finding it. What, 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 did, uh, what did Savers, Savers pull out of? Savers yanked $4 out of your hands for this one. Uh, cheapest I'm seeing it is $8.25 and $3.25 shipping. So, again, Good seriously, I, I think we just paid for somebody's college run right here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is actually, I don't know how well received this particular game was, but you can't go wrong with LucasArts, you can't go wrong with Skywalker sound design, Industrial Light and Magic, special cinematic sequences by ILM, so it's a one-player game, which is great because I don't have any friends, nor do I want any. <laughs> and Present uh, company included. <laughs> That's an I with the N, not the E. <laughs> So thank you. So oh, thank you for uh, those gifts. No, because I, I do. I you know, there's been times before I've been in places, and you know, I I thought, oh, I should grab something, but you know, I don't want to come here with a game you already have and just insult your collection. <laughs> and you look at me, it's like, how would you think I wouldn't have this troglodyte? <laughs> so thank you for that. Maybe, maybe just next week, maybe. There'll be a present for you. No, no, you. I showed up here last week with how many floppy disks from an old like I, you know, my dad's clean out the closet, and it's a lot of scripts that we wrote ninety eight, yeah, like twenty years seven. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I texted him. I'm like, Joe, I found this pile of gold. Now, if I only had a time machine to go back and print it out, and you instantly. Oh, right. It was on three and a half inch floppies. And I go, I have a USB floppy drive. And he goes, of course you do. So, so you, you, your, your, your presence is your presence is your presence, A, uh, uh-huh. and all the uh, manual labor I have you do on the, uh, on the tech world. Well, let's see. So, so that is great. Uh, so I've already covered what I've watched. Bride of Frankenstein. Give it a whirl, kids. Oh, God. What did I watch? Um, I started Ephesus for Family season three on Netflix. That's always good, um, and the, I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. But it's like you know eight episodes or ten episodes or something. Um, it's the animated Bill Burr show, seventies. It's kind of semi autobiographical. He plays Frank Murphy, uh, and uh, they, you know he's a he's like an ex pilot or yeah he's yeah he's an ex pilot who got um, you know got roped into you know a family life early on and uh now you know he's just trying to hang on for dear life trying to get out of it but um it's it's funny it's it it's a nice throwback to the 70s and like the mentality of the 70s and how families and um kids interacted in those days so i don't know you've probably not seen it but it's no i last year you got me to watch a couple episodes okay yeah i liked it it wasn't like yeah, it's yeah. like it's kind of like King of the Hill in a way, where it's just like, yeah, I can, you know, it's not like the, King of the Hill was PG thirteen. 
Yeah, this is rated R. Yeah, rated, yeah. Right. yeah, this is an R. This is a, an M A. So uh, I guess I've been watching that. Um, yeah, I, I think I've. Oh, oh, uh, Christmas Chronicles. What a piece of shit! Oh, <laughs> see, I, I I thought it was okay. Um, oh my god! You know, actually, that movie. You know, I was getting into it. I like the premise. I like the setup. Um, it actually started to go downhill for me when Kurt Russell appeared. Oh, see, how, how about the end when when I didn't make, I, I fell asleep like during the third oh, act. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. so he has his adventures. I'll ruin it for you. Yeah, he has his adventures. Yeah, he's uh, home. Yeah. His feet's up. The the long turbulent night's over. You know, he had his run in with the police. He had his jailhouse rock scene where he's jamming with. He gets put in county lockup. You know, it's like one of those things, <laughs> very blues brother esque. Uh-huh. But he's home. He's up. He's saying, you know, how tough it was. And his wife's like, you say that every year. Blah, blah. Turns around, it's Goldie Hawn. Oh and, gosh! And, and as the scene's happening, and you you know it's off camera, and you see him talking to Miss Claus, and you see it from the back, and and Ellen's like, "It better be! It better be! It better be! It better be! It is!" <laughs> and then I Yay! talk to somebody else about that. And they're like, "Yeah." The fact that you know, you know, one of the um, one of our parents, one of the grandparents of my oldest son's friends, uh, we were at pickup at school last week, and he had just seen it. And they say it takes place in Lowell, and this is one of those proud, born, and will die in Lowellites. It's like, it wasn't shot in Lowell. None of those streets were here. That's, and it's like, dude, it, the writer's probably from Lowell, but they shot it, I think, in Vancouver or something right. like He's that. He's a Lowell lifer. Yeah. And uh, anyways, it was... Okay, well, that's... I By the it. way, that was a very... they land, So they crash land in San Francisco. Um, I'm sorry, in Chicago. Apparently, it was like... Chicago in 1957, Eisenhower era, Christmas Eve, because the streets were barren. Like, there was nobody on the streets except for the police officer and them. Um, and uh, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was so corny, dude. Like, I, I'm up for some cheese. And I was actually <clears throat> looking, for, looking for some Christmas movies to watch. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, Jacques mentioned the Christmas Chronicles. And you know, I, and now you hate me. No, I don't hate you. It's just like I get it. I mean, like you know, you also, <clears throat> excuse me, you also said Justice League was fantastic, so I should have taken that. And I'm right. <laughs> By the way, I will give uh, the movie this uh, probably the top three hottest Santas of all time <laughs> is Kurt Russell. Like uh, okay. as far as like you know, good looking, like you know, like you, you don't have to explain splash zone. <laughs> Santas, uh, yeah. At least that's what the internet tells me because I, I would see like you know little memes going by about like the the five hottest Santas and so what is what what is the sideshow this week? Um, I don't know. It's going to be kind of dealer's choice. We're going to see how many sideshows we get to record. It probably will be Superman because um, we kind of talked the Christmas stuff to death. But you know, maybe who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be a, a Superman sideshow. The mo- Superman the movie. Um, or is it going to be Superman? Are we going to do the entire oeuvre of Superman in uh, an hour? Well, you know, they, they made three of those movies because there was three of them. That's right. And they stopped after three. Right. You know, after the one with Richard Pryor, they said, <laughs> we've done it all. Uh-huh. Right. They stopped. They got the holy trinity of, <laughs> of Marlon Brando and uh, Richard Pryor and uh, Christopher Reeve. So. Uh, parenting tip. Uh, parenting tip. 
Gee, what would be a good parenting tip? I don't know. Let me ask a good parent. Jacques, what's your parenting tip for the week? So as I said, we didn't have an opening opening for the show this week in Uncharted. So we had our friends do it. Uh, Maybe Chip Boy does it next time. That'd be nice. And I've said before that the boys doing piano and stuff is a building block thing. It's like the pyramid. I'm not in a rush to, you know, throw my... You know, I'm I'm not I'm not your wind up monkey. I'm not here to amuse you. <laughs> I'm not your dancing monkey. Dancing monkey. Um, but you know what? I'm 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 after after seeing you know Squishy's performance of zombies. I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe Joe Jackson, you know, Father's Jackson <laughs> Five had it right, and maybe maybe they are my meal ticket out of this hellhole. Oh, oh! Uh, yeah, where the where the biggest round of applause for the night went to an eight year old. <laughs> Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. No. Uh, so so maybe you know maybe my parenting tip is uh you know the belt isn't just for holding up pants anymore. Hope you like rats, kids. <laughs> um, but that but that is all I have. Uh, Joe, uh, you know we we got one more podcast before the uh, the old. Christmas rolls around, That's but I'll true. I'll say I'll say Merry Christmas to you Merry Christmas. beforehand. Merry Christmas to all our listener. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I will punch you in the nuts if I knew where your wife hit them. Uh. Um, that's all for me. That's all for you. I got nothing else. <laughs> don't I know it? Um, so signing off, and until next time, Jacques. Don't forget. Where have you been?